0: To handle that cape for the last time. Return to Town 10th year anniversary edition is a revised version of Andy N's first poetry book. The book can be purchased from Amazon and it contains numerous additional material. Spoken, Spoken Label. Hi, it's Andy N from Spoken Label. Thank you today for streaming or downloading another episode of Spoken Label. Spoken Label was originally set up on. Beginning in 2016, and as of speaking, has currently nearly 300 sessions. The full archive is available on spokenlabel, full stop, bandcamp.com. Although it is available for free for stream and download if you wish, I'm always grateful for any sort of kind of donation to enable me to keep the running costs of this podcast going. and Enjoy. Take care. Bye-bye. Spoken label. Hi, guys. I'm Dien, Spoken labour. Back in the house on a bloody hot Friday evening as well. Now, the good thing today is the gentleman I'm speaking to, and I'll let him introduce himself in a minute, it sounds like where he lives over in America. It's even hotter than what we are in England. It's bloody hot in England at the moment. So, Ron, seriously, mate. First of all, would you like to introduce yourself to everybody? Tell us who you are? where you come from, and what starts off your creativity.
1: Of course, thank you. Uh, my name is Ron Lahr. I live in Spokane, Washington, which is about a four-hour drive east of Seattle, Washington, which is the big city in our area. Um, Spokane, Washington's is a, about a 600,000 people if you take in all the surrounding area. Um, I live a little north of town with my wonderful patient wife, uh, Laura and my (laughs) parents who are almost 80. Um, and we help take care of them. Um, we have a gigantic garden. I love to spend time there. We, we, my wife and I make everything from scratch. We make our own everything. Um, and yeah, it, another time consuming thing because I have so much free time. Um, (laughs) and uh but i just love i love eating i do it every day and and man it
0: it shows you in the first book you sent me as well but we'll come on to that in a bit i noticed all the food references in the first book alone
1: (laughs) exactly yeah when (laughs) you can tell i like i think about food all the time because it's even in my writing um (laughs) but uh i started writing when i was in in school um in secondary school, I, I thought I was hilarious from a young age. Um, I amused myself a lot. I still do, um, much more than I amuse my wife, to be honest. But, uh, <laughs> I, I would just think about things, um, as opposed to paying attention in school, I would think about things and then that would lead me down the road to, to writing, like, uh, one of the first things I have that I, I still plan on releasing as a short story, I was, uh, I was in school. We were in the, the school library. And uh, I was going to go to a university library because the, the high school I was at was very small. And so I was just sitting there waiting because they didn't have the books I needed to do my assignment. And I started wondering what, what people who are atheists uh, tell their children about god because you know i mean in the united states in particular there's you know religion is everywhere and if you choose not to partake in that then what do you say to your kids and so i ended up writing a series of stories about that <laughs> that were <laughs> bizarre and they're called the adventures of girl child and because as i sat there i i Every name I came up with for the the little girl, she's a preschool girl, carried some connotation, you know, and I didn't like that. And I'm like, well, I'll figure out a name later. Right now, I'm just going to call her Girl Child. And then I liked it so much that nobody has a name in the whole series. They're, it's either their role or their teacher, like there's little boy next door and teacher, you know, <laughs> and uh one character is a substitute teacher and she happens to be agnostic so her name is agnostic sub uh which i think would make a great name for a punk rock band Um, yeah i
0: could say that (laughs) yeah
1: um but so i i ended up writing quite a bit of stuff um and then then i had kids and i needed to make money because you know i needed to feed them and clothe them and uh so I, you know, I had a career in in information technology, and then finally, my my last daughter moved out. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. You but you're thinking, would yeah. It
1: was great. She's a, she's <laughs> she's an awesome daughter, and I love her. But boy, did it free up a lot of time. <laughs> and like it. yeah, and that that led me to get back into writing. And uh, one of my friends. Uh, was starting uh, his career as a writer and he he wanted to have somebody to talk about it with so he encouraged me to get back into it and uh, so if you are offended by anything I write it's really his fault I would say <laughs> because otherwise nobody would have ever seen it um,
0: he, you're not going to name and shame him but he knows he I will it. his name
1: is Rob Billy you. if you <laughs> contact me I will give you his home <laughs> phone number and you can complain directly to him <laughs> Uh, he needs to take responsibility for his actions. Uh, Anyone,
0: anyone's knowing now, um, Rob and Ron, I think, are now ex-friends, or they soon will be after this. Yeah, they might be. <laughs>
1: That's true. That is very true. Oh, well. It is, I've what got it, other is,
0: it is what it is, I would say. Like, so. yeah. Okay, now, obviously, um, here today we to talk about you, not your series, aren't we? And, obviously, what comes next now I'm still trying to work out how to pronounce this this series. So is it the God it, like it's under, like the Cathaldi Chronicles? Have I got that right? Cathaldi. Cathaldi. Well, yes. not bad for me. That I'm. I'm yeah, book, cool. book, so, yeah. yeah. So tell us about that then. Obviously, there's two books are out. The third one, the Podcast will be out. And there's other stuff to talk about. So tell us about where the where this in the series came from then, really.
1: Sure. Uh, So, you know, I I read The Lord of the Rings when I was, you know, very young and became a fantasy fan then. And uh, (laughs) this is very odd because it makes it sound like I sit around thinking about religion all the time, which (laughs) I don't. But it, it, it has influenced my writing. So I was thinking, well, what happens in these fantasy worlds where the gods are real? you know, they manifest. There's no denying the existence of these deities in these worlds. Um, But would there still be, not exactly atheists, but people who were just against the idea of worshiping these gods? And that was the impetus for the story. And the the bare outlines of it are, uh, this race basically believes that the gods are like, parents and at at some point you need to move out you know grow up and and stand on your own two feet and unfortunately they they pursue that policy with violence um and so at some point in the past like 400 years before the the trilogy takes place the gods fight back and they they rain down destruction and everybody thinks that these cathaldi have been exterminated but the, the beginning of Children of Cathaldi is um, not the narrator, but his his close friend accidentally stumbles ac- across the fact that they, they still exist. And that's, of course, an existential threat to the entire world because the gods could, you know, to respond again, will probably rain down destruction and they don't want to die. So um, that's the... The impetus for the the book, and I actually wrote the first draft uh, about 25 years ago. Well, did you read? And wow! Wow! <laughs> it was it was very different. the the It was third person. Um, the main character was different, uh, and I finished the book, and I loved the story, but I didn't love the book. I I read it, and I was just like, "It's kind of blah." I mean, I I there were parts I liked, and but I didn't love it. And so I kept trying to rewrite it every once in a while. And and then when my last daughter moved out, um, I, I tried it from first person. I wrote it from the first person perspective, and I used, um, I mean, he was a major character, but he wasn't the main character. He was the main character's friend. And he's just a jerk. Um, He's just an awful person. He's a thief. He's sarcastic. He's selfish. He's you know immature, and he is telling the story. And the the mechanism is is it's as if you're at the pub with him, and he's just telling you a story. Yeah, um, I got
0: I got that with him because he's. I wouldn't say obviously it obviously his way the setting is. I've sat in pubs with people like that before now, and just, exactly. they just just go on and on and on. I mean, it's very entertaining. <laughs> But yeah, he just. Wonder and, what, you wonder what's true and what's not sometimes.
1: <laughs> well, and one reviewer called him or described him as an unreliable narrator because he builds himself up and he tends to minimize other people's contributions.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, completely. And completely. I love that. Yeah, I
1: like yeah. that. He's an unreliable narrator, and uh, so it's uh, there's a lot more humor in it than the original draft. And I'll tell you, the second I started writing it. I loved it. I, I just, it's different, which I like. It may make it a little harder to market it um, because it's different, but it, it's, it's definitely got its own, own feel. And there were a couple of other things. When, when I wrote it 25 years ago, there was no Game of Thrones. And fantasy was more like Lord of the Rings where n- none of the good guys ever died. You know, you're, you take on the entire world And I mean, Lord of the Rings, there's nine guys, four of them are hobbits that don't know anything about fighting. And the only one that dies is the traitor. And I'm like, in my book, a ton of people are going to die. So I there is that. And then the other one was, uh, you know, this was the 90s, the early 90s, and uh, American action movies with Sylvester Stallone and um, Arnold Schwarzenegger were very popular. And they were always spouting off these goofy taglines when they would kill somebody like uh arnold schwarzenegger stabs a guy with a pipe that is leaking steam and he he he's like let off some steam you know and they were just ridiculous i mean funny but ridiculous so i wanted my bad guys not to talk when they start fighting they are completely silent and early on there's a character who he's like taunting this Catholic, he doesn't know he's Catholic, but he's taunting him, and and the guy doesn't say anything and just kills him right away. <laughs> so, oh, ah, like those were the the three big, uh, I don't know, motivations for the the trilogy. And uh, as it is right now, yeah, the third one is just about to to come out, and yeah, be, and then that, I
0: that will be obviously after this podcast goes live. People are wondering, because that comes out. Is the end. It's still scheduled at the end of July, then, is it?
1: No, no. August Due to my not, huh? personal stuff, it'll be August. August. But um, soon, just not, you know, editing, rewriting. I got, got a little bit more time to spend on it. Um, I don't want it to be junk, you know. <laughs> I don't want it to stink. <laughs> um, and then my plan is for the main character, whose name is Dirk. Um, my plan is for Dirk, he has a, a job at the end with the, the government, and I want him to become a detective. I want him to do, I'm planning a series of murder mysteries with him, because he'll get to go to the places that they've already been in the books. He'll get to interact with these other characters from the books, and uh, and solve murders. So... No, cool. That's my cool. big plan. Cool. Now, obviously then, then um, back I want to backtrack
0: for him before we go forward. Um, when you were growing up then, obviously, like, obviously this book was been these books have been planned for some time. Was there any writers that really made you want to read write this direction at the time? So I could I've been reading reviews in it, and I've seen David Edin's name for what before now, who I do now. I know really well for my dad's love of him, and also Douglas Adams as well. I could see both elements of that in your book
1: account. I'm definitely. Still... Well, I, I definitely love both of them. Um, and I don't know, I, I feel like, well, okay. Ugh, there's a lot here. When, but before I started writing the new version of Children of Cathaldi, um, I was married and, uh, after 15 years, my my uh, now ex-wife, left me. And I started dating. And I was dating this lady. And she said, you know, you do not know how to talk to women. And I said, well, that is ridiculous. I have a great relationship with my ex-wife. I have a great relationship with my mother. I have a great relationship with my daughters. I'm like a genius at talking to women. So she did not believe that. And I thought the way to lend weight to that assertion is to write a book about how to talk to women and so i started writing you're as stupid as you are fat how to talk to women and i was
0: going going to ask you about this text actually most of it so
1: and it's awful i mean the the so i i wouldn't well i created a character to to write the book because it the things he says are so awful and um because he is not, it is not politically correct in any way. He is very sexist. He's, he's like Dirk, but 10 times worse. And, and so I write this book and, and I'm, you know, keep working on it. And that, because I enjoyed that, I mean, I think it's funny. I think it's just awful. And uh, no one should ever follow the advice in it, but um But that really, Dirk is like a watered down or or less gross version of the character that that is the supposed author because it's it's by that character with me um, helping out, and uh, originally I didn't even want to put my name on it because he he just said some awful things and, uh, um, but. If I hadn't written that book, if I hadn't written, you're as stupid as you are fat, I don't think I would have written children of Cathaldi the way it turned out that, that having had the fun experience of writing this book, even though it's coming out later, um, that really informed Dirk's personality, even though he's much more likable than this other guy. And, and as the trilogy moves along you see Dirk with his family, you see him fall in love. I mean, his character does develop and grow, and he's not just the smart ass, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. that no, he is course. in the first book. Of course.
0: I've got an opinion so there is I've, I've got an opinion on that. Obviously, I've not read this this book we're on about, but I know about it. But um, I think I've told you before myself, I'm a poet and I've done about a good half books, and each book I write is a reaction to the previous book, and that applies, I think, to what you're on about there. Obviously, that book then led into what came next to your fantasy trilogy, I suppose, didn't it?
1: Definitely, definitely. Um, and then uh, I, I did, we, I had a, a, as you write, you know, you meet other people that write. And um, one of them said, I really love the world you created uh, in the Cathaldi Chronicles. And I thought about that, and I thought, well, it would sure be cool to have other people write stories in my world, and I would, I would enjoy that. It turns out it's quite surreal to have somebody write about the lo- the locations you've made. I mean, I, I assume it's, it, you know, it's kind of like fan fiction, but um, but they're really good writers, you know, and so that is very fun. Um, it is very interesting i i had a a school uh, in india reach out to me it was a class that teaches english and creative writing mm. so these kids from like ages 8 to 15 were writing in another language stories i gave them some prompts and they're adorable they are just so adorable and oh. what i'm going to do is a bunch of them are going to be in the book as fairy tales of The various countries in my world and so a character will introduce the fairy tale and then at the end talk about a kind of a you know a a moral to the story kind of thing and so that was very fun Um, and I hope to do more of those the the anthology is very interesting Um, and I like writing with people uh, because I did write You know, one of my four books that's coming out is "You Get What You Steal," which I wrote with a friend, and we wrote it almost as an exercise where he would sit down and write a page, and then I would write a page, and we'd just hand it back and forth. Um, And of course, that meant a lot of rewriting because it got pretty, you know, disjointed the styles. But it 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 was a very fun experience, and I've always enjoyed collaborating so.
0: Yeah, now people have guessed there now, there is four different books on the way here like I'm used to when I talk to writers, to one I'll be honest with you mate, you say they've got a book on the way, maybe something else can just beyond that, but your case is you're really unusual, you've got four different projects on the go, which is absolutely ah. phenomenal, now obviously you've told us a little bit about you get what you steal, but tell us about where this project came from
1: Oh, well I, um, I had it it's another long story in the sense of time frame uh right after i graduated from high school um i had an apartment in a bad part of town and uh even though this is a small city so it wasn't very bad you know but it was bad for our area and i would have friends over every week and we would play poker and you know drink beer and smoke cigars and play poker like we were grown-ups and uh one week everybody canceled except for one guy and uh this was before cell phones so there was no way to let this guy know that there was no poker night so he shows up and i said hey why don't we write a short story you know you're here we both like to write let's write a short story and we we decided on um basically the the story for you get what you steal but smaller. And we started writing it that night. We thought it was hilarious. And uh, it eventually turned into a novel, which will eventually be a trilogy. And then uh, I was reading a, a book called uh, Adventures in Wonder by Harlan Ellison. And it was a series of short stories that he had written with other people. And before each story, he would explain how they wrote it. You know, What was the, the methodology they used to each contribute to the story. And the one where they handed it back to each other one page after another uh, really struck me, even though they were trying to screw each other. So each page, at the end of the page, they were trying to make it a situation you couldn't get out of. And we didn't do that. We didn't take an adversarial tone to the process, Um, but it was really, I mean, we sat in the same room on a typewriter, You know, he would type, and then he'd hand me the page, and I would read it. I had no idea what was going to be there. And then I would say, "All right." And I'd sit down and I'd type a page. And uh, we did that for the first draft. And a lot of what is in there is still in there in the book. But the story gets ugly. Um, we both go to college, and he went. We both went to kind of expensive private colleges. And my parents didn't have any money. So I was doing it all on loans and scholarships. But his parents did have some money, and they told him, if you go to a cheaper school, we'll not only pay for your school, but we will pay for your apartment and your food. You won't have to work. And so he did that, and then he had a bunch of free time. I still had to have a job. We're in different states at this point. And he kept working on the book, even though I wasn't there. And eventually he said to me, even though this was your idea, and you wrote half of the book, I want it to be by me with you. And I said some profanity, you know, some very rude things to him about that. And we ended up not even being friends for decades over wow. this. Wow! And I reached out to him a while ago and I, you know, we, we started talking again and hanging out and I said, you know, we should just put this out, you know, let's, let's rewrite it and put it out. And, uh, I he had rewritten it since I had seen it and I read it and I wanted to hate it you know I wanted to hate every change he had made because I'm a human being and I'm petty and I didn't <laughs> uh there were a few things that I thought were kind of confusing you know a few areas that I thought we could clean clean it up but all in all his work was great and we uh now we're going to put it out so um I I do know one thing. There's no way I'm going to have four books next year, because I can't go back and pick out books that I had in the past. Um, oh God, This will really? be, yeah, this will be my one big, you know, big year of publishing, and then after that, it'll be back to a a book or two a year, um, unless I get a lot faster or or find a drug that makes me write quicker. I don't know.
0: Yeah, a drug that keeps you awake all night, basically,
1: doesn't it? So, God, yeah. Yeah, I think it's called cocaine.
0: (laughs) Obviously, Spoker Label does does not uh, obviously advertise about that writers need to use cocaine to get writing. Uh, (laughs) No. We don't personally endorse that, but yeah, jokingly, yeah, we need to cocaine. God. Yes. Another
1: example of not taking my advice. That's just (laughs) a rule people should have. Don't take ron's advice
0: <laughs> got, that's what i found when i was we agreed to do this i couldn't believe you told me you had four books in the go this year and That is it's absolutely incredible have you found out then since you start you agreed to yourself to do these four books this year was there any point of it did you regret regret agreeing to do all this lot
1: yes um especially once my mom's condition worsened and i knew we had to prepare to sell our house um, sell it and then move and my wife and i are both kind of pack rats you know we just we have so much stuff and we had to go through everything to decide if we were going to keep it or throw it away or donate it to charity and that took a lot of time and then just boxing it up and I, we got rid of so much, but we still have so much. I mean, we're, the house we live in now is a four bedroom, three living room, you know, full formal dining room um, house. It's pretty big and it was just chock full of everything. <laughs> so wow. knowing I had to do that and thank goodness we're almost done with that process. Uh, but that really threw a, a, a lot of complications into the process of getting these books done um, and and my wife is amazing i mean obviously she's willing to move into with my parents until we build the guest house and you know she, she's she's wonderful um but she is not incredibly enthusiastic about my decision to write she she's not unsupportive but i always feel bad if i'm writing and she's there because she'll be like doing chores or you know something productive that is immediately obvious it is helping the family whereas i'm like writing and i feel i feel a little guilty that i'm not you know emptying the cat litter box or something and so uh This only made it worse because we have so much to do. That every time I would take time away for writing or or promoting the books, uh, it made me feel more guilty. But I I also feel like it is very hard as an indie writer to to reach your potential readers. Like my stuff is pretty weird in the sense that I mean it's it fits in a small niche, and how do I reach? I believe there is an audience for my work but i don't write to market i write what i want to write and then i hope i can find the people who will like it who share a similar sense of humor or sensibility and that takes a lot of time and my hope is as i put out these four books this year and then take some time to really spend marketing and and that i can make a big splash because the first two books of the catholic chronicles have sold together like a like a thousand copies and while that beats the average for indie authors which is less than 500 it is still not you know very large of an audience and i want to expand that and my hope is with so many books coming out and and all these different authors in the anthology um also promoting uh that book that uh it will create a snowball effect and I'll actually be able to reach more readers. And, and I do have an advertising budget, you know I mean? I'm, it's going to be a a real push. And if I get to the end of the year and I still am not selling very many books, not reaching a lot of readers, that doesn't mean I'm going to stop. I will, but I will have to, uh, reconsider how much time I'm committing, I guess. Um, and you know, because we, we, we do spend a lot of time on family stuff. We do spend a lot of time on food, <laughs> uh, and a ridiculous amount of time on food. And so, I would have to, you know, I'm not going to give up, but I, I don't plan on spending 40 hours a week, say, on writing, if I'm selling, you know, 10 books a week. That's just that's not a, um, that's too much time for too little return. If you know, know what I mean.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. No, of course. So. No, good luck, everyone, definitely right. So I said it, mate. You, you've set yourself a good challenge of it. And i think I'm always believed when you're doing this sort of multi projects that you're doing here. Is it make it make you learn stuff about yourself all the time as writers? Like it was i I'm certainly that sort of artist myself. there. I've often I I've run several different sorts of projects. I've got I'm a musician, a podcaster, a journalist and a writer myself. And a cold run of literature night as well. So it's like, I think mean, we're doing stuff like you're doing is completely different. Everything is about the experience of it. And you learn somewhat from it, I think, where someone maybe me may not go back to it again. So you may even next year, oh, that worked. I'll do some I'll how to improve it. That's something you're heading towards next year, probably.
1: That makes a lot of sense. I I I, I mean I it has been yeah, very, a very interesting experience from start to finish. But in the last year in particular, as I planned this out uh, and then started working towards it, um, yeah, I, I'm, I mean, I'm happy I'm doing it. I think it is, it is a, a worthwhile yeah. challenge.
0: Yeah, uh,
1: And And I love every aspect of it. The editing is fun um i it's hard for me because reading uh, other people's work um i want to be nice i because I, I don't i think there's always a way to critique something and not be a jerk about it and um so knowing how hard it is as an indie author to break out I I could never write a review of somebody's stuff and be mean about it. And I had a friend who, who is writing a short story for my anthology and he, he wrote a book with his wife and he gave it to me to read. And there were some real problems with it. And I was a total coward. And I did not, Uh -uh. I did not tell him the honest truth. And then he wrote the short story for my book and I had to be more, You know, this is now it's my book. I'm like, man, there's some real problems with this. And I gave him a lot of feedback. And luckily, he loved it. And unfortunately, he said at the end, he took it all very well. But at the end, he said, now you need to do that every time I give you something to read. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, I really dug myself a hole there. Uh, uh,
0: the word is hand on face now, basically.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but I discovered I did do like the editing and uh, I love writing in different genres. I mean, really, there's Well, while they all have a humorous component to them, you know, science fiction, fantasy, and then the, the self help parody, they are very different. So,
0: oh, I course. enjoyed that course it shows definitely everything you're doing there right uh we're gonna we're gonna wrap up this bit now ron anyway so i'm not gonna give you time to do a bit of reading for us so but two quick oh. things to conclude with before we get to that is number one is obviously the four projects in question you give me rough dates when all are all getting released but i'm guessing it's all changed now so do you have rough release dates for all for these projects
1: well <laughs> yes and no i have some i don't think they're very accurate because Um, we for the first time in my life we hired movers um, and that did not work out at all Um, we ended up the movers came on a day that was the hottest we've had ever here
0: so they were moving
1: very slowly Uh, they had to take a lot of breaks you know to hydrate and and um, one of them started to feel bad from heat exhaustion or something and and so they ended up not doing much at all. So my wife and I have had to, to spend the last three weeks doing what we thought would be done three weeks ago. And um, that has very much affected the schedule. So, I mean, I, I ex- do expect uh, the th- book three, Destroyers of Cathaldi, and um, um, You're as Stupid as You Are, Fat, How to Talk About. Them. I do expect both of those to come out in August, probably at the end of August. And then um, the others I expect will be late October, early November, the other two. And um, but because of just life, I'm giving myself all sorts of wiggle room. As long as they're all out before the end of the year, I'll be happy. Um, best, even best though bet. I you know.
0: Best bet, mate. It, best but. So Thank Google, you, sir. Good luck, man. Now, obviously, if people want to find out more about you, where are the best going?
1: The, the easiest thing is to go to my really ugly website, uh, <laughs> cathaldi.com, K-A-T-H-A-L-D-I.com. Um, and that, that lists all the other ways to get in touch with me, you know, uh, Facebook, Twitter, um, the email, you can email me. Um, And then I'm about to, (laughs) that's funny, I never even mentioned this, I don't think, but I'm about to start doing something on YouTube, uh, where, as we moved, we discovered we have so much alcohol. I mean, a ridiculous amount. So So much wine. So and so did, much you, liquor. You,
0: are you going to do a podcast series to try drinking each drink? Are you giving me ratings?
1: At, uh, uh, it's going to be called reading, writing, and drinking. Oh, and God. every every episode I'm going to either mix oh, a drink or I'm either going to grab a bottle of wine, just whatever one, and then, or I'm going to grab a bottle of booze and figure out something to make. And I'm going to drink that while I read somebody else's work and review it. And then... Um, Read a little bit of my stuff and talk about it, and uh, <laughs> that'll help me work through all the alcohol we have that we we really did not realize how much it was. We we've really fallen down on our drinking, and oh, okay. uh, good luck. I need to get <laughs> back into shape. So, <laughs> good luck so that'll tonight. be listed there, and it also has uh, a list of you know, like uh, like your show will be listed there, and. Whatever interviews I do. Um, and then it has whatever inaccurate release date I currently believe is going to happen. All those are on there. Uh, really? I change that frequently.
0: Really. Keep an eye on it. Definitely. So it's been a pleasure today, Ron. So I know you're going to do a part two for us now. So we'll read a little extra. Oh, yes, sir. Book, which I'm looking forward to because his books, books are absolutely hilarious. That's why. So I'm looking forward to this. Thank you. Right. Hang around, everybody. We right Spoken, Hi, guys. Still here, everyone? I don't know what he's going to do now. This is going to make it more fun. So over to you, mate. I know you're reading an extract from something now anyway.
1: <laughs> okay, thank you. Uh, I'm planning on reading from the beginning of Children of Cathaldi, which is book one of the Cathaldi Chronicles. Uh, the I, I chose this because I think it very much gives an idea of what the narrator is like and what you can expect from the series. So, chapter one, the beginning. Look, I'm not writing this to feed my ego or to get free drinks or have ladies throw themselves at me. I'm sure that'll all happen, but it's not why I'm doing this. This is for my children. I want them to know me and what I accomplished, what I was a part of, a big, significant, important part of. Unfortunately, I don't know exactly who my children are, but mathematically, I figure I must have a bunch of them. This way, I don't have to track them down individually and talk to them face to face. It's a big time saver for me. Great idea, right? As you read this, you'll see that I'm kind of an ideas guy. So to start off, you should know that before the important events in this book took place, I had some trouble with the authorities from time to time. I would not exactly say I was a thief, but that's because Thievery has a pretty bad reputation. A lot of other people did describe me that way, and I admit it was accurate. But before I get too far ahead of myself, I suppose I should step back a little just to the beginning, my beginning. I was born. I was named Dirk because my father had to sell his favorite one to pay the midwife when I was born, and he wanted me to remember it. He liked reminding me of what they had to give up for me just to pop out of my mother. They were pleasant like that. It was a difficult birth, my mother would often say, and it ain't gotten any easier since. They would both say that last part together if they could. It never got old. Seriously, never. Still funny. It's hard to say who I got my own awesome sense of humor from because they were both so darned hilarious. At some point, my dad left, so my mom had to finish raising me and my siblings on her own. It didn't bother me. And if it did, I'm completely over it. It's not a big deal. The important, relevant part is that I had a friend, and not just that I had a friend, but who he was, Thylos. He was an orphan who was being raised by a crippled friend of the family who actually turned out to be a good guy, one of the best. See, not all cripples are awful. Anyway, not your normal, unhappy, sad orphan story. It's kind of sweet, really. Anyway, we met as kids, running around on the streets, playing, having fun, maybe causing a little bit of trouble. He taught me to fight and also how to read, neither very well, mind you, but we both needed other, better teachers later on, but I might never have learned how to read if my new friend hadn't convinced me how cool it would be. I'm not sure he was right about that, it's never gotten me any women, but I'll admit that it has been extremely helpful. The really important and relevant part is that we were still friends when the events in this book began, which is why he looked me up that day when he was in big trouble. By the way, this is not supposed to be some fancy foreshadowing like we are enemies now or something. It's just me trying to manage what to say and when to say it in terms of the present and the future. It's kind of tricky. I don't want to give away or give things away too soon or too late or too never. I'm just a guy trying to tell an amazing story while some people judge me for every single freaking thing I do. Chapter two, the actual beginning. I know what you're thinking. That was a whole chapter? Well, write your own damn book. I'm telling this story and the stuff in the first chapter wasn't really part of the main story that starts pretty soon here in this chapter. So I decided to make it its own thing and have the actual story start now in chapter two. Happy, unhappy, great, because I don't care. As far as I know, you're reading this a thousand years in the future and I've been dead for most of that time. Anyway, one day I was relaxing at home in my place in Anstron, one of the Northern border cities when there were a series of loud knocks on my door. I answered it carefully, dagger in hand, Because people can misunderstand things that you do, you know? I mean, judge you for your past actions. I mean, But it was my old friend, Thylos. Looking out of breath and worried, I invited him in, or at least I started to, but he pushed right past me before I could and quickly closed the door. Sorry to be rude, Dirk, he said as he moved to the window and pulled the curtains closed, but I'm being followed. I quickly slid up to a different window and used the large dagger in my hand to push just enough of the curtain aside that I could see the normal-looking street scene outside as I asked, who is following you, Thylos? He sighed as he sat down on one of my comfortable yet tasteful chairs. I don't know if they're actually following me right now. I think I lost them, but they're definitely after me. Who? I was getting a little frustrated, which usually leads me to single word sentences. Thylos shrugged with a slight smile. The warders? He sounded a little embarrassed. At this point, I was quite confused. The king's warders, as in Thylos, the king's warder? Dylos had been a king's warder for almost seven years. It was all he ever wanted to do. Serve guarding and patrolling the borders, just like his parents and his guardian had done. He had joined as soon as he turned 16 and qualified. So saying the warders were following him was like saying his parents were trying to kill him. Crazy. He nodded as if relieved I was following his insane logic. That's right. He looked from side to side, apparently checking for eavesdroppers inside my home and lowered his voice to a whisper. I think they've been infiltrated by the Cathaldi. Now, you readers already know what happened over the next couple of years, but that's because you live in whatever is the present for you. I lived in the present for me, which is the past, or even the distant past, I don't know, for you. Suffice to say that for me, in the the at-the-time present, no one had heard of the Cathaldi being alive for centuries. So this stuff Dilos was saying, even though he's a great guy and my oldest friend, sounded crazy as could be. I looked him over carefully, but he didn't look any different. Same brown hair and eyes, same healthy looking gray skin, still wearing the same old gray warders uniform. He even looks sane, I guess. Before I continue with the story, I guess I should take into account the fact that the kind of women I'm attracted to aren't always that smart. So maybe some of my kids or grandkids or their kids or their spouses or whoever else is reading this are some kind of idiots and don't know who the Cathaldi are or were or whatever. So I'll tell you as quickly as possible, so we can get back to my story my awesome heroic story dang if some of you are really that dumb maybe you didn't even know about the cathaldi coming back and i just ruined the book for you oh well you'll probably forget about it soon man i love dumb people they make for the perfect audience anyway cathaldi is in the name of the book so you probably already guessed that they were involved with the story somehow i mean i hope you did okay so in the old and timey days, almost everyone lived quite a ways north of where we live now. And by that, I mean north of Ansdrin, which is one of the most northern cities these days. There were supposedly a bunch of islands where everybody lived happy lives, enjoying the sunny beaches. That is until the Cathaldi, who lived on just one of these islands, started stirring up some stuff. The stuff they stirred up had to do with the gods. The reason that I'm capitalizing gods is because this wasn't a case of are the gods real? They were definitely real. They weren't interfering or helping, as they called it, all of the time, but they showed themselves now and then. The Cathaldi weren't idiots. They didn't say the gods weren't real. They said we should ignore them, that as if the gods were our parents, we needed to move out of on our own and ignore them so we could grow up. As you can imagine, the gods didn't care for that. At first, though, the Cataldi only lived on one island, and there were almost 100 islands, and all of the rest of them were full of normal people who worshipped the gods the way they were supposed to. So the gods are like, no problem. Our true believers will prevail against these doofuses. Or is that doofuses? I'm not a scholar. Either way, hopefully you know what I'm talking about. But the the gods are like, we'll be fine. Of course, the gods were wrong. And I'm not trying to be sacrilegious here. I'm just continuing the gods are like parents analogy because my parents were wrong all the time. Especially my dad who left because none of us would ever amount to anything. I mean, I became one of the greatest heroes ever. So obviously my dad's an idiot. I mean, I don't care either way because he was a jerk and I'm well adjusted. Screw him. See? Anyway, the big problem is that unlike most of the other islands who were just trying to get along and didn't care what every other island was doing or thinking, the Cathaldi wanted everyone to agree with them and even to do what they said. It was like they were the wives and the rest of the islands were all husbands. So the Cathaldi started attacking the other islands. But they were pretty smart. They only attacked one island at a time. They also prepared, sometimes for years, before they attacked an island. During that time, they would send agents to their target island and try and pave the way for an invasion with bribery or lies or whatever would help them take the island over. At the same time, they developed an entire class of people on the island of Cathaldi who were dedicated to the conquest of the other islands, the warrior monks of Cathaldi. Ironically, taking over the other islands was almost a religion to the warrior monks of Cathaldi. It's ironic, because they were basically fighting the idea of religion, right? They argued that no one could ever be considered an adult if any, everything they did was dictated by the gods. We have to be able to make our own decisions, they would all shout. Man, I hate those guys. The Cathaldi also had a lot of badass mages, total jerks, according to history, but good at killing with magic. So, long story short, they were pretty good at taking over the other islands one by one. The other islands kept acting like, oh, I bet that's the last island they'll take over. No need to band together and crush those creeps. So island after island kept coming under the control of the Cathaldi, but slowly, over decades. They were patient people, those awful, awful Cathaldi. After a while, even the gods started to notice. At the time, they didn't interfere much with the daily lives of their followers, but they still got their strength from the number of worshippers they had. Since the Cathaldi were killing all of the priests on every island they conquered, as well as any followers who wouldn't agree to abandon the gods, they started to notice their strength weakening. Finally, the gods decided to do something about it. They rained down snow and hail and ice and rocks and all sorts of awful stuff and buried those islands under a mile of all those things that I just mentioned. The island people who could fled south to Mandolo, the continent we are on now. At the time, it only had the other races like elves, dwarves, gnomes, and scary monster types living on it. The mountains to the north of our fair city, Ansdrin, marked the beginning of the barrier separating us from what used to be a bunch of islands. Since we're attached to that barrier, this became the Mindolan Peninsula, but it's also a continent. Weird, huh? Well, this was about 400 years ago. And nobody had seen or heard of any in all of that time. I'm pretty sure that everybody figured they were all dead, and it's pretty easy to tell a cathaldi by looking at them they're all white super pale white i'm as gray as they come like mandolin men and women tend to be the brown skinned people mainly live in our the western kingdom of orcan the different colors of men aren't always friendly with each other i mean all of the Mendolans and arcan don't exactly love each other you know what i mean but we all hate the cathaldi what with them almost getting us all wiped out by the gods Now that you know all this, you can see why I was pretty confused to hear that the Cathaldi, who had been extinct for centuries, were after Thylos. But I decided to play it cool, because that's how I am. Hmm, it seems like we have a lot to catch up on, I said with a knowledgeable smile, while raising one eyebrow, like smart, worldly folk do. Thylos laughed, nodding. That we do, Dirk, but a drink might help me get it all out. I looked at him, and decided I could use something to drink, too. I guess I've got some Raumallan gold wine that I've been trying to get rid of. I might as well pour it down your throat as into the sewer. I let him into the sitting room and motioned for him to sit in one of the chairs while I got the wine and some glasses. Raumallan gold wine, he shook his head wistfully. You must be better than I thought. I smiled. Let's just say that over the years I've put my talents to good use. To interrupt for a second, there are a few things you should know about this conversation. One, I was and still am better than Thylos thought I was. It is very helpful to be underestimated. And two, and gold wine is the most expensive wine you can get. So I was being pretty hilarious and suave to say I would just pour it down the sewer if we didn't drink it. I know people say if you have to explain a joke, then it wasn't that good of a joke. But I think it might be different if you're explaining it to idiots. Like maybe there's an exemption for that, the idiot exemption. I like that. I feel like I'll be using it a lot while telling the story. No offense. So we did some drinking and a lot of talking, mostly Thylos did the talking since he was trying to get me up to speed with what had happened over the last week or so, but we both did the drinking. By the time he was finished, we were off of the excellent Rao Molin gold wine and onto my normal drink, super crappy and cheap wine, but it was still wine. And once you've had a few glasses, what's the difference? It's just being good with money at that point. I apologize for the fact that I'm going to have to fill you in on what happened to Thylos, before he came to my place, but I wasn't there. So it's pretty hard for me to describe what happened as if I were. Plus, I tried writing some stuff in the third person and it was awful. Here's a sample of what I wrote where I imagined the leaders of the Cathaldi recently meeting to plot against the rest of the world. The evil Cathaldi main leader guy walked into an, the evil meeting room early to soak up all the evil vibes from all the evil that had happened there over the last 400 years. Man, we have done some awesome evil, haven't we? Those were great times. He smiled evilly as he perused his evil memories, stroking his little chin beard thing slowly. I can't wait for all the other evil catholic leaders to get here so we can plan some more evil against all those other non-super pale people that we all hate so much. So as you can imagine, I don't want to talk about this (laughs) a lot, but suffice it to say that it sucked, and I stopped pretty quickly and decided to only describe what I lived through. So all of this next chapter is entirely stuff Thylos said, So it could be accurate. It could be colored by his beliefs or memory or by not wanting to embarrass himself, or he could just have totally lied to me. But the last thing is not like Thylos at all. He could be wrong, very wrong, but he is not a liar. When he tries to lie, it is so obvious. It's almost funny, such a goody-goody, but no one is perfect, even me.
0: Fantastic, brilliant. That's, that's, that's give people a good flavour of, of your voice to the writer, then as well. Definitely brilliant, absolutely tremendous, Ron. I've really enjoyed that today, mate. Well, thank you. Right, anyway, sure. mate, that's it for today, guys. So thank you again, Ron. I, I said, for well, it's been a pleasure today. I've been, people won't know this is spoken label. I tend to book things sometimes a bit in advance, and I always enjoy chatting to everybody. But sometimes, with the case of Ron's case, I knew I was going to have a great laugh for you today. Ah. It's been a pleasure, mate. It really has been. So,
1: Thank you you so much. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure for me, too.
0: Hang around, Ron. Anyway, I do need to speak to you off mic. This is Andy M. Signing out. Take care, guys and girls. See you all soon. Spoken, mate.